Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, the podcast. In all big cities, including Las Vegas, of course, homelessness is a problem. You don't need to read about it in the papers. All you need to do is take a drive down to your local downtown and see the issues that they're having. One of the things we hear all the time is, well, what do you do about it? We can throw money at it, whatever. We found a guy in Las Vegas, you know him from before, Tiger Todd, he's been with us before, who's got a solution. It works, and he's got the numbers to prove it. So wanted to catch up with him again, talk about some of the great things Hero School is doing, and then tell you some good news because we're going to have Tiger on as a regular feature to talk about ways to help you get through this and talk with your teens and so forth. But Tiger, first of all, welcome back. It's great to have you back. I know you've got a big event today coming up. These events, how do you get people to go? Because one of the problems I know we have is just getting even people to go to places besides just getting food and so forth. You actually make them participate in the program. Well, certainly. Uh, thanks for having me back. I really appreciate it. The, the Breakthrough Academy, uh, which is uh, this one for the homeless here in Las Vegas, first one of 2022, we'll call it. Uh, this pro- this uh, academy is a way in which large groups of homeless at one time can, if you will, change their mindset, begin to see the world the way we do. I know there's so many, you know, people out there struggling in their cities with, you know, is my, is my government doing this right? Are these uh, charities doing it? Or what, why do we still have this problem? And so one of the ways to, to look at it is, well, it's likely that uh, a lot of people don't see the world the way we see it. And uh, I'm, I'm a fan of that thing. I, you know, I hate that. I love to ramble with you. You're just you're, you're such a good interviewer. And uh, but that William James, right? He wrote at Harvard so many years ago, and he, um, he was head of, uh, I think it was psychology, and then he went to philosophy. And he says this: truth is what works. And and we know when someone's onto a truth, not by what book it came out of or by what degree or credential they have, but does it work? Right. And people today are tired of everyone telling them what the truth is for two decades and not seeing anything work. Right. So when we're talking about what works, uh, yeah, you probably it was a loaded question. But to back up to how do you get the homeless person? How do you get the person in, in homelessness or you know, there's a differentiation between houseless? Right. There's some people a million ways to end up without a house, particularly after the pandemic. But homelessness from our science 26 years ago is a combination of things learned that became habits and then became part of their character. And the only way to change that is with character change. So how to get them to go is you start with the first step of what motivates them. So you can get them into that room where the magic can happen. On your flyer, and this kind of gives you an idea, and I thought, what a great way to uh, to approach somebody that's having dealing with this and so forth. Your first thing is still repeating history and then need help. 
And I thought, boy, that's probably the biggest thing of all the things. Everybody knows this is miserable. We don't want to be here, what have you. But it's that whole idea of I keep trying and I keep repeating the same mistakes. What you're saying is change that. And I think that's kind of the, the start of this whole thing that you do at Hero School. Change it. We're, we're going to change even the way you've been approached before. Uh, yeah, certainly. You know, years ago, there was uh, there were a couple of Berkeley uh, professors, uh, Muriel James and Dorothy Youngward, and they wrote a book, Born to Win. And, um, and it's a kind of a hard line that comes out of the book, but uh, it, it said, you know, losers, people who lose at life, lose in games, lose in the NFL, right? They're mm-hmm. repeaters, meaning they're repeating the same thing. And, uh, and I know this, you know, I believe in second chances, but I also believe that if you have a second chance without some new information or new way to look at the world, you will end up having exactly the same thing, right? Now, I think we're quoting Einstein, right? You know, that insanity is, is doing the same thing in the same way and expecting a different result. Uh, so, so again, we offer this, something that, um, uh, you know, we've been doing it for, now this is, we, we just we just had the 26th anniversary Breakthrough Academy, so um, this is the the first one going into year 27 of reaching out to those people who will not get a new way to look at the world and a new way to to master themselves um, uh, without it. Well, and it's a great approach. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But one thing before we even get into that. One of the things I noticed through all your stuff is that there's a lot of reinforcement of positive affirmations, you know, real, life, change. And I thought, boy, that's still an important thing because part of what you're going to do it, and you're going to do it in a different way that we're going to talk about, it all kind of gets back to you got to believe that it's possible, right, in order to have any chance for success. Uh, totally true, but that's the makeup of a human being. I mean, you know, I've heard through the years, I heard it all through college, I've heard it. I've heard it when I've given keynotes and people with doctorates came up to ask me questions. And, and uh, everyone has a different belief about what makes up a human. And I think at the core, uh, humans aren't, you know, they call them, you know, this kind of being, or they're emotional beings. But at the core, uh, human beings are believing beings. You know, if I and I remember this years ago, you know, people that used to work for me in my chain of electronic stores before I retired, and they they would uh, you know they would tell me of a fight that happened at a pub at two in the morning, and I said, "What was the fight over?" And they said, "Ford versus Chevy, right? <laughs> who made who makes a better car, Ford or Chevy?" And I'm thinking, neither one of these guys who worked together was doing well together all week uh, was being paid by Ford Motor Company or General Motors, either one. And yet they had this belief that one was better, a belief they probably got from their family when they were like six, seven or eight years old. And so unfortunately, these beliefs govern our emotions and our emotional expressions downstream. And if we don't figure out a way to alter the belief at the core of our human, then it doesn't matter what kind of services or or support or help we get downstream, there's always going to be an inner conflict that that person doesn't know what to do with. And then there's got to be a way to kind of in your mind, I think, run a movie of that belief to see how it's going to go. And that's the core of this whole thing is at the speed of movies. You've trademarked that. You've come a long way in terms of taking this and connecting it with movies. And you know, I, I explain that to some people, and the first thing they say is, you got to be kidding, right? And <laughs> no, and I send them to the website because this is a fascinating thing. And when you think about it, people understand the movies and they have the dreams of a movie. 
more than anything else. I just love it. How did you come up with the concept, and then how did you apply it to this huge problem? Well, well, first of all, movies are, to me, little human miracles because of how they speak to us. A movie that does speak to us means that it connects with something deeper inside us that maybe on the surface we don't know exists. Uh, in the in the we'll call it the old times and not the old times of the 80s, <laughs> but the old times 2,500 years ago with Greek mythology, those movies were an oral tradition where it was I mean it was the the grounding of all psychology was through these stories that through other maybe fictional characters we learned about ourselves and gained some sort of a leverage on the you know, the, the drives and, 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 and other unseen forces that were, that were altering our life, whether um, against us or, or for us. And so with movies, though, gosh, every movie, you know, has three basic, you know, precepts, right? There's a, you have to have a relatable character, right? Conflict and obstacles on the way to a visible goal. And that goal is always impossible. But that happens in two hours, what, yeah. what a miracle, right? And then if it's done well, that gets planted in the person who sees that movie. And so I'm just looking at a formula I found that made movies work, math that I derived in the 1990s that you know, became the formula for most of Marvel's new movies. And, and I said, why can't we apply it to real-life characters? Why is it that only Luke Skywalker on the screen changes from farm boy to Jedi why can't the entire audience change from homeless person into citizen or from unemployed into valued employee? You know, why can't that happen in the real world? And so, yeah, I love movies so much good that can be done in a movie. You know, I was sitting with a group of friends, Tiger, and I've got to say, I asked them, that, was there ever a movie that made an impact in your life? And every single one has one. I mean, whether it's something like, wow, Christmas, I saw It's a Wonderful Life, it changed the whole way I looked at interacting. All the way, like you say, to uh, movies like Batman or Superman, that comes through and it has an effect on everybody. It, it really is amazing what they can do in a short period of time. I was just reading, I believe it was in Entertainment Weekly, um, this uh, updated story on Tom Hanks' eldest son and how hard it was growing up as the son of someone who was famous because you're living the fame life without you having been the one that did it or created it. And I saw this lament from this older boy saying, if someone had just told me this or taught me to look at it like this. And so... Boy, movies can do that. But again, if we're just watching a movie at the theater without a, we'll say, a school or a teacher or a guide, then what you have is entertainment. Right. But when right. we turn it into a school, then the person gets to see the template for how to live the life that allows them to finally overcome those things that are impossible for them. Yeah, but you're right. Everyone has a, um, a relatable movie and, uh, and a why it's relatable to them. And, I, and, I, and often, after a second viewing, we see yet more, right? That's why I mean, we see the same movie over and over again. Yeah, I was going to say, is that why you think people, you know, there are, everybody has movies for whatever reason that they will watch over and over. You usually don't do that, but there'll be one or two where it might, well, you usually it's a wonderful life thing again. There are people that watch that every single Christmas, and they know, I can practically say the words with them, but there's something about it. Is that that message coming through where you kind of hunger for it? 
Well, sure. And I also see that, you know, as we change, right, we have a, a, a our own character arc. We we are different than we were, um, you know, in high school than we were in elementary school. And, of course, after we've been in a, a long-term relationship and after a long-term relationship has failed and yeah. after our our manager at our first job turned into spawn of Satan, right, we see the world differently as we're on our own character arc. And so that movie then allow, uh, offers relatability um, through a different lens. I liken it to this, and, um, and I'm not sure where I heard it sometime, probably early 90s, uh, long before Hero School, but, you know, um, wisdom is often revealed like um, vertical blinds, right? You look out through a window with the vertical blinds hanging there, and you can see this view of the world, and if you thought that that's all there was, just take a step to the right one foot. And now, it, and now you see a different what's what's outside that window. You'll see either different cars or different foliage or or different whatever else. And so, very often we don't take enough steps across the vertical blinds to get the whole picture. And a second or third viewing of the same movie can can at least supplement, if not give us a pretty good whole picture. Well, let's go ahead and go into a virtual hero school then. So pick a movie that you've done there and kind of take us through that if you could. How did that work and how did that help the student overcome whatever it is that they're fighting against, whatever that obstacle is that has brought them to where they were? Well, that's a great question. You know, movies are usually based on premises uh, or themes. And, uh, but it, and when I say premises, well, let's just take one movie, one premise. And that premise is why did the author, not necessarily, not necessarily the author of the book, but the author of the screenplay, you know, why make that movie, right? Why risk $80 million, $150 million, $300 million if you're doing Dune, right? <laughs> why, why risk all of that to make a movie unless this theme isn't just so critical and it's not already, you know, commonplace, Right. And so it's like we have to get something. So in, in a hero school for the homeless uh, in particular, and, uh, and when I define homeless, I don't mean houseless, even though that's that's true. But we're talking about people who have repeated because they have the same four habits. They they learn through, you know, some sort of journey. And that has turned them into the kind of person that unfortunately, whatever you give them, they start over again the next day. Right. So so when I'm talking about this type of person, they need this, if you will, breakthrough academy style hero school. And one of the key movies, of course, is uh, The Shawshank Redemption, right? A Stephen King novel that became an incredible movie that literally no one went to the theaters to watch. But part of the fun of this showing this movie poster and holding it up and being the relatable character is I'm getting them to relate to fictional characters because I'm trying to teach them principles a.k.a. the theme of a movie. If we were just trying to relate and give them pictures of real-life, quote, heroes, I remember doing that one day. I remember doing a hero school at a Catholic charity a dozen years ago, and the guy says, why do you just have those, those movie posters? Why are you just fake, you know, these fake heroes? Why don't you have Tiger Woods up there? Stephen, it wasn't a week later that the whole sexting <laughs> scandal came out with Tiger Woods. And as every parent knows with their teens, as every school teacher in middle school to high school knows, the kids who are trying to get out of obeying mm-hmm. will try to find some dirt on their parent or teacher to use against them as an excuse not to do what they should. And so real life characters don't work in this. 
you have to use fictional characters because they are representatives of principles. And so the Shawshank Redemption gives us Andy Dufresne, someone who was thrown into prison for something he didn't do. And yet he seemingly didn't defend himself. He didn't protect all those like 16 years or however long that, that's, that story goes. And, uh, but only after you know, all of this suffering, we find out that every single day, Andy Dufresne had been following the advice he gave Red, right, who we thought Morgan Freeman's character, who we thought was the mentor of the film. Right. He had been doing the advice of get busy living or get busy dying. But here's the twist. In Hero School, we give him the relatable character of Andy Dufresne, but we define what it means to get busy living. Not out of a book, by but, by but what Andy Dufresne did. So what's the definition of get busy living? You get the biggest hammer you can find. And in that story, it was a little rock hammer he asked for on day one. And he chips away every single day at the wall that separates the life he's living now from the life he, he wants to live later. Every single day. If, you, if someone says, well, I'm getting busy living, but they're not chipping away, they're not. Right. And so then, we'll, then we shift to the movie Happy Gilmore. Right? Here's the guy that repeated history 10 straight years. Thinks he's a hockey player, but hasn't yet made a team. <laughs> right? And so we deceive ourselves by not taking these truths in the movies. And so we can get on the same page with, you know, with um, 80, 100 homeless people, gosh, in 15 minutes by just a series of a couple movies strategically placed and delivered. Yeah, and I guess the beauty of this, too, is everybody's seen those two movies, just about, or they they at least know what they are. Like Shawshank yeah. Redemption, like you say, didn't draw well at the uh, theater, ended up being a fantastic movie, and thanks to television and DVDs and all those exactly. things, everybody's USA seen Network. it. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, and yeah, so, how do you get ahead. somebody, though, Tiger, to say, like, well, okay, Andy, we'll use Andy again. He's gone there, and he's chipping every day. How do you... Talk somebody into that because they, they, they would say somebody in that position, a couple of days of uh, hammering against the wall, uh, they're going to give up because they've, they've been taught that it's not going to work. How do you get them past that? Well, habit three of homelessness we call horizontal learning. It's, it's what creates the homeless person. And uh, that means you're only listening to someone in the same crap you're in who is in that yeah. same crap repeatedly. And so – you know, who are you listening to? And when somebody tries to challenge something that's a truth or that, you know, something that has been produced like a movie, you have to just ask the question, well, who taught you that? Right. Who taught you it won't work? Right. Exactly. Who, who taught you that? And let's call out whoever your expert was and how that expert life turned out, because I'll guarantee you, you're not going to become a pro athlete. All the, I, mean, I do these, these teen assemblies still, and they say, I want to be a pro athlete. And I say, well, but you're spending more time on the sofa watching the game rather than training to get in the game? If yeah. somebody comes to you and says, yeah. well, yeah, that's great, but what about people with just mental illness or uh, substance abuse and so forth? But it seems to me this is that's part of t taking, uh, taking control, living instead of dying. You know, that's a great point. And, um, and I'm just wondering, are you a 2,500-year-old Greek scholar? Because the Greeks in the very first, we'll call them movies, they actually, blame, I mean, we're talking, you know, if we look at the American Psychological Association, we're talking about something very, very young in the grand scheme of human development. Very young. In fact, I mean, if you look every 20 years, 
the 20 year before what they said was either right or wrong based on what they've new, newly learned, right? So it's, this is not an exact science, even though it uses the scientific method. But 2,500 years before that, we have the myth of Orestes, and we have the story of someone in a no-win situation who ends up being haunted for doing his duty as a Greek youth. He had to um, avenge the death of his mother, excuse me, the death of his father, who was killed by his mother. So he ends up killing his mother, and now he's haunted by the Furies. And by the way, this is what the Greeks called the root to mental illness, a fracture right, of your values. Right now we have all kinds of, we have, you know, biological, we have all kinds of reasons, but we're talking mental, not brain, right? Brain would be biological, mental would be emotional, maybe psychological, maybe spiritual. But in this case, the Greeks thought, through this story of, of, of Orestes, you'll never get free from it unless you do one thing. You take responsibility even for stuff you weren't responsible for. And what's so ironic is that is the root of both the Hebrew Old Testament, where in Numbers 14, it was Moses who took responsibility for 10 of the 12 tribes with those spies that came back with an evil report, even after all that God had done. He took the blame for them. He, uh, we see it in the New Testament where it's Jesus on the cross. Yeah, forgive them, they don't know what to do. You know? Taking the blame even for stuff you didn't do until someone is put in the position to say, you know what, every job interview for the last 10 times, I've been bad-mouthing my former boss because he did this, that, or the other. But if they would just take one time and say, you know what, I'm sure there was a lot I could have learned from him, right? There's something I could have done to have done a better job. And the moment they do that, the past is gone and they're moving forward into their new life. Principles, huge. You just, you know, and, and I know we have these, well, but, but look at what we get. We get advocates for failure. We get people, you can't blame the victim. Well, no one's blaming the victim. The victim is blaming somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And whether it's true or not, all the four habits that keep people confined to homelessness or addiction, they're always in the past. Yeah. And to quote Sammy Davis Jr., one of my Las Vegas heroes, yes. there's such a lot of living to do. You know what's interesting? Because a lot of people will blame their parents. They'll say, oh, my parents did a mental number on me to this day. And I, I get what you're saying because I remember talking to a priest years ago that was saying, I just tell people it's like, hey, they did the best they could. You got Like you said before, I got something positive out of it and uh, they were wrong on that. But, but that doesn't matter. I have to take it from here. And and that's what you're saying. Take those shackles off of, uh, you know, because it, it is like being held back by this. You're allowing the past to hold you back. Just don't let it. And, and, and that sounds simplistic, but it's really not. And, in fact, it sounds like a necessity. Well, I, you know, I think so. I think if you... And, and this is back to your earlier observation on belief, right? If you If you don't believe that there's more to your life without that, you know, in psychology, we call it having a payoff. And uh, Stephen Pressfield writes about this brilliantly in The Art, in the War of Art, um, in his book, and he, and he talks about the payoff of incapacity, right? That if we can have this thing that you know, legitimately happened to us, but if we constantly use that as the reason why we can't move forward, then we do get a payoff. We get a payoff of incapacity, so we're never, we never have to be responsible 
for fulfilling our gifts, our callings, or the expectations of, of, of others, let alone our own impossible goal if we're, if we're talking about a movie screenplay. Uh, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. So they, we have to adjust that belief that there is more to come. Scary part is we can't see it. So, and we're directly responsible, for, you know, in this formula to get there. Do you get frustrated then when you go look across country and you know you can be successful? That's one thing I enjoy talking about you. I mean, you, you know, you're, you're a pretty modest guy, but when it comes to this, you don't, you don't have no problem saying, hey, I can, I can do more in a couple hours than a lot of these programs can do, you know, months down the line. Does it frustrate you that we, we approach this problem as a society the same way? You try to throw money at it and money without a purpose, you know, you get what you get. All of a sudden, the problem keeps getting worse. Well, you know, as you know, I'm, I'm sworn to defend the world of, from villains, but most of this is not villainy, right? Most of it is their own training. And, uh, and I learned too late that, um, you know, the homelessness crisis is one that, um, you know, before it was just a problem to solve. And I remember in, you know, in the early going, let's just solve the problem. And then, you know, others, you know, I didn't realize you get other people working from a different mindset. And maybe that mindset isn't villainous, right? You know, as I think we defined this in our last interview, right? A hero is someone who risks his or her life to, you know, to save somebody else. A villain, by contrast, whether it's the movies, history, mythology, right? Religion. That's someone who risks your life to save themselves. And so most of this is not villainy. Most of this is someone that doesn't understand what a human is and how a human works. And if you don't believe or don't understand yet, the human being is unique to the planet as the only species on the planet with the power to change, right? Dogs will always be dogs. Cats will always be cats. Horses will never become marine biologists. But human beings become what they learn. And so if you don't understand that one difference, what happens is a lot of compassionate people adopt humans to help them in the same way that you and I would a feral cat or dog we found running loose in the neighborhood or hopping over our pony wall at night. Right? We start with food, clothing, shelter, warmth, right? We, we want to take care of that thing. Right. And, and, you know, I think there's even a New Testament verse that says, well, I'd be fine if it was a child. But, you know, yeah. when I was a child, I thought like a child. I understood like a child. But to become an adult, a mature, whole fruit, I think, was the implication the Apostle Paul wrote about in the book of Galatians. To become mature, ripe fruit, we have to put away childish things and childish thinking. And in this case, right, I'm frustrated not by the homeless. It's so easy to free someone from homelessness. What's hard is to free someone who gets a payoff from helping somebody, yeah. not to change, but just to help them. You know, as I listen to you, Tiger, I think of a class I had in college. It was an advanced economics class, very difficult, and it was because it was uh, abstract things to think about and so forth. And what the professor did was he goes, I got to get you to the core. I got to bring you down to the very core. And then from there, we can build up and we can do it. And that sounds exactly like what you're doing. You're getting to the core of the human experience. And once you get to that, then you can address this. Uh, you know, what is it? Uh, things, what is it? Another Einstein quote, things should be as, you know, as simple as possible, but no simpler. Right. And so, um, you know, I think he called something like spooky symmetry, right? When you get down to the core, things are actually 
very symmetric and very, you know, very manageable. And then, you know, and unfortunately, the stuff that we deal with in everyday life is always so jumbled and, and, and it looks like there are no patterns. But you're right. If we can find a way to get to the core. And uh, what a great analogy in, in money or in economics, right? People think they're good at money, haven't taken econ class. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, oh, and, and by the way, that's a great one, Stephen, because, you know, you know, Alexander Dumas, you know, his master work, The Count of Monte Cristo, you know, actually shows that that was one of the things that helped Dantes change, be transformed into The Count of Monte Cristo. And that was learning economics. How does the world's economic system work? But you're absolutely right. That comes from getting back down to a core and very often. Those who know very little, i.e. Dantes, perhaps a large percentage of the homeless, it's much easier for them to adapt to a new wisdom at the core than it is those people who have been taught stuff that might just not be true for too long. Well, we're really excited to have you as a regular going to be coming on every week and just kind of sharing some of these tips and so forth that can really help not only with how do I help in my community with the homeless issue and so forth and kind of really getting to understand it, but even dealing with, you know, trying to prevent this and dealing with your children and so forth. I, I think these are such great life lessons. We're going to tell people how they can get a hold of Hero School, because I think they should. It's a fascinating organization doing incredible things for a problem that everybody else seems to be stuck on. So with that with that in mind, what's your long-term goal? If you want to get into your mindset, your vision for this, where would you like to see this in like 10 years? That's a great question. I, uh, you know, and, and that um, I'm going to say that may have changed over the past 20 some years, but it, it's all, it's almost returned to a moment I had in 1980, excuse me, 98, and that is after I, I first spoke at a middle school, and I realized that the seventh graders in the room had already learned the four habits of homelessness by seventh grade, right? And so, gosh, I just became a fanatic about how do you prevent these people from turning out like the prior 10,000 I've gotten off the street in their older age, right? Stuck in this, in this condition. And so I, what I would love to see is, boy, it's so simple just to put a little bit of hero school upstream at the beginning of every class at middle school or high school, right? Just a, a little bit of reinforcement in a movie to stick to a principle that produces humans that get to live life on their own terms and uh, and so, yeah, I just like to see, um, yeah, we were so close in the early 2000s and then, yeah, Marvel movie success. And, you know, unfortunately, people turn to the tip of the iceberg, a.k.a. entertainment, because they make such good movies. <laughs> uh, but and they lost sight of the depth of the iceberg. And that is the character change of the rest of us. Right. It can't just be one person make it out of every million. We all have a, deserve a chance to make it. Absolutely. absolutely. Well, let's tell people how they can get involved with Hero School. How can you do it, and how do we find out more about it? Probably the fastest or, or um, you know, the, the shortest distance between two points is the, the website that, can, that handles Hero School for um, business, government, charity, nonprofit to support local Hero Schools, and that's at heroschool.us, so H-E-R-O-S-C-H-O-O-L dot U-S. They can leave a message there, phone number, uh, mailing address, all that's there, and... Uh, and then the right department will get their message. And we'll be talking with you over the next weeks and months and uh, helping people. Thank you so much, Tiger. Always a pleasure to talk with you, and we look forward to talking with you again. Right back at you, Stephen. Thank you. Let's go to